Welcome to the Grace City Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. All right, take a seat, take a seat. Oh, I could have just, honestly, I'm like, we're gonna, we're gonna have to go back into worship, Bobby. I, I just, I'm like, you know, Alina Francine, I'm like the whole team. I'm just, Jordan, everybody. I'm just so, so impressed. It's so amazing to be here. And um, like Pastor Alex said, my name is Holly Joe, And um, I brought my favorite man um, in the entire universe with me to church today. He's three years old, um, but he acts like he's a teenager, but he is in the kids ministry. His name is JC. He is my son. And him and I are just living our best life. And I can't wait to tell you a little more about our story a little later. But I can't wait to dive into this message that God has been really stirring in my faith, in my heart. And I wanna say before we get started, I'm a practitioner. The things that I'm gonna share this morning are things that God is speaking to me that he has moved me through, that as I open up the word of God, he's downloading heavenly wisdom and advice and pastoral care and counseling as I open up the word of God. And I think sometimes you can feel a separation. You see those coming up on stage to lead us in offering or lead worship or preach God's word. And you could be sitting there thinking, well, I'm not like them. So how can I apply these principles? Or I feel a little separation and a gap. And what I want to just tell my Grace City Tampa family today is that the word of God that I am going to do my best to share that I feel like God spoke to me months ago that is for this community, for our church, I'm going through it too. I'm a practitioner of the things that I am gonna share this morning, amen? All right? So we're gonna dive right into today's Scripture, and we are going to be in Exodus. Come on, anybody love the Old Testament? Come on, all my Old Testament lovers out there. Come on, you're the real OGs. You're real holy. Exodus chapter three, verses one. I'm actually going to stop at verses 14. So one through 14, we're going to read 14 scriptures today. This is the story of Moses, and we're going to jump right into it. It says, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, and the priests of the Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. So Moses saw that through the bush, that though the bush was on fire, it didn't burn up. So Moses was like, wait, what's going on? He said, I'll go over and I'll see this strange sight why this bush was on fire but, not did, but did not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, he investigated, some, he had a curiosity, he had a pursuit. God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place that you're standing is holy ground. And then he said to him, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face. Maybe he felt afraid or shame or not good enough. 
but he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slaves, drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of this land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Pezzarites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached my heart. And I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go? Have you ever felt that before? Who am I to lead this city group? Who am I to lead worship? Who am I to step foot into the holy sanctuary of Christ? Who am I that I should go and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? But God said, I'll be with you. And this will be the sign to you that is I who have sent you. And when you, when you brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And Moses said to God, but suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. This morning, I wanna share a message on my heart called, do you know I am? Come on, would you bow your heads? Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for the scriptures that when we open up the word of God, that we aren't just reading words on a page, but we are reading stories of old where we've seen the activity of God. And I just pray this morning that our hearts would be at attention, that we would lay aside every distraction. God, that whether we've been in church every Sunday for the, our entire life or we're new to church the first day, that our hearts would be at attention to what you want to speak to us. Lord, we love you, we wanna know you and pursue you. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen, amen. Well, I'm excited to share this message about the great I am. But how many of you know that names are really important, right? Names are really important. Raise your hand if you're a parent in this room. Let me kind of see. Okay, good, we got lots of parents in the room. Okay, nothing is more stressful than naming your children. Can I get an amen from the moms and dads? Nothing is more stressful. I'll never forget when we were pregnant with our son, I was like, oh my gosh. I was like shaking. I never had anxiety attacks or panic attacks, but I was having full-blown anxiety attacks thinking about what am I gonna name my child? Because this thing is going on a social security card. This thing is on their driver's license. This thing is gonna be on every government issued ID. This name ain't going anywhere. I mean, I guess when he's 18, he could legally go and change his name. But names are permanent. And I felt this pressure. When I was growing up, my dad, 
I love my parents. They're amazing. They're amazing people. But I'm from the Pacific Northwest, um, like Pastor Alex and Bree, and that's where I originate from. And I grew up in like a baseball family. Like my family loves baseball. I always tell people when I was little, I literally grew up in a, um, what's it called, pack and play in like left field because my parents played co-ed softball when I was little. And so they didn't, they were just like, hey, we're pinching a penny. We don't want to pay for sitters for our games and our practices. So they literally would just put me in a pack and play over like on the outer field. And it was very funny. Don't worry. I never got hit. It's okay. Like that's not child abuse. It was way fine. But I grew up on a baseball field and I'll never forget. I was like six years old. And I was in my garage with my dad and he was like working on something and he had this blue Ford Bronco, okay? It was like, I don't even know like what years, like 19, like, I don't know, maybe 1985 blue Ford Bronco. And on the license plate, it said Wild Bill. My dad's name was William. We call him Bill. And uh, it said Wild Bill. And I remember being little, we're in the garage and I'm like, dad, your name is William, but why does your license plate say Wild Bill? Like, can you tell me the stories? And he would say, oh, wait till you're 12, then I'll tell you. I'm like, what do you mean, wait till I'm 12? And so then I was like, I would ask him every year. I'm like, Dad, come on, am I old enough to know what Wild Bill means? Like, tell me what Wild Bill means. I guess, you know, keeping secrets from kids, like, I'm not sure. And so I am about 12 years old, and finally, my dad tells me why he is called Wild Bill and why his license plate says this. And so he tells me this story that when he was younger, he was, uh, he was a little aggressive in nature, and he was one that, you know, he kind of had a past, and he was, um, he was known for getting in bar fights, okay? And he was a little, let me just say, um, noncommittal with the ladies. You know, he's a little wild. Like, he liked to keep his options open, I guess. Um, kind of sounds like most of our world, right? Nobody at Grace City, Tampa. No, this is, a, this is a church of holy people. You're committed to one per, yeah, okay, right? Everybody, oh, wonderful, okay. Um, so he was, he was kind of wild with the ladies. He'd be taking out one girl on a Friday night, the next girl on the next Saturday. Then he'd be at school in high school the next day, and they'd be talking to his friends like, wait, you hung out with Wild Bill on Friday? I hung out with him Saturday, and he wasn't hanging out with anybody on Sunday. You know what I mean? So he got dumped, dropped. But... So this name, he kept with him, right? So he kind of grew out of that phase. But let me tell you, my dad is still Wild Bill, okay? This name has traveled with him through his later years in life. So much so, my dad, he lives in the great country of Oregon right now. And he lives out in just this beautiful land. He has an RV. He's retired. Um, he was a police officer my entire life. And he sent me a video a while back. And my dad, he's uh, 69 years old. He's going to be 70 this year. My dad is still wild, y'all. He climbs trees. He, he, will, he literally will go shoot bears at 69 years old. He literally sent me a video of him. Him and his wife were traveling around in the RV. And he went up on this diving board. Like, I'm talking like maybe as high as this TV right here. And, and his wife is like filming. And you just see him and he's, he's like, you know, he's set, almost 70. So he's just like, all right, here I go. And he does four front flips into the water. Almost 70 years old. This guy is still wild. I tell him, I said, dad, I think that's where I get my energy is from you. And I, I hope I'm just as passionate and crazy when I'm 70 like you, dad. But it's so interesting. When you think of a name, 
you don't just think of the words put together to create that name. Tied to a name is attributes, characteristics, a nature. When you are maybe in a relationship romantically, you know, and maybe before you even start dating and you're looking across the room, what's the first thing you say to your friend? I want to know his name, right? And you get to know his or her name. But you don't just want to know their name. You want to know what's behind the name, right? And names are so powerful. They are extremely powerful. Names are not just something that is going to be on your government ID. The name that you carry is going to be a persona. It's going to be a presence. Every name has a presence. And you know, what's really interesting is that when you read the scriptures and you're going through even some of the Old Testament, you look at Leviticus, you look at Numbers, you look at Deuteronomy, what does it list out that oftentimes we overlook when we're doing our daily devotions? The names. There'll be chapters of names of not just, yes, there are names of tribes of the Israelites. There are these beautiful names of tribes, but there was individuals. And the scripture lists out these names. And from Genesis to Revelation, you see names. There are books of the Bible actually named after people. So when you think about this common idea of names, you realize the repetitive nature of things in the Bible mean that it means something to God. So when you read scripture, when you start to see things that are repetitive in nature, meaning you start, hey, I'm seeing a theme. I'm seeing some commonality. That's where you go, Holy Spirit, what are you trying to say? And the common theme that we see is that God cares about the names of individuals. But let's take it even one step further. God doesn't just care about naming people. He cares about his name. And he cares about revealing himself to you in a variety of ways. Did you know that there are over a thousand names and titles that God uses in scripture to reveal his nature? And as you study scripture, you start to see that in specific circumstances, in times of need, God reveals his nature. He reveals his name. He reveals an attribute of who he is to directly be the solution to whatever that person needs. So much so that sometimes God would reveal his name in a different way to certain people throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament but there would even be times that God would change a person's name. And we have to ask ourselves, why? Why would God change a person's name? Because the old name that they once had no longer reflects the current freedom that they're living in. God cared so much about their name, their practical name that we can so easily overlook, but he cared so much because he knew the power of a name. He knew that that old way of living, that current title, nope, that didn't suffice anymore. I'm naming you something new because I'm doing a new thing in your life. I'm breaking free in a new way in your life. Here's a few examples. Abram was named Abraham after God gave him the vision that he'd be the father of the nations. Sarai was named Sarah 
after God spoke to Sarah's heart and said, you're going to be a mother of the nations. Jacob was renamed Israel because the word Israel is one who prevails, but Jacob didn't get that name before he wrestled with God. He got that after he wrestled with God, after he pursued a relationship with God. After he, he sought God, God said, something broke free in you. I'm gonna put a new name in your heart. You're now one that prevails. How about Simon in the New Testament? His name was Simon, but Jesus spoke a revelation over Peter's heart and said, now you are the rock. Peter means the rock and the rock by which I will build my church upon. There was an assignment. There was an attribute to these names. I love what John 17, 26 says this. This is Jesus talking. He says, I have made your name known to them and I will make it known. So then the love will reveal even further his nature, his character, his authority, his power. So listen, when we pray in Jesus' name, you know, it's so easy to just say prayers and go in Jesus' name. And it's just something that we, maybe if you're a Christ follower in this room, and if you're not, we'll talk all about how to have a relationship with Jesus a little later. But if you are a Christ follower and you have a relationship with God, it's so easy to overlook some very things in our mind that are normal, that actually are supernatural. When we pray in Jesus' name, do you know what you're actually saying? You're saying that in Jesus' name, what I am praying is final. In Jesus' name, what I'm praying is that God's authority would make this happen, not my own authority, not my own strength. When you pray in Jesus' name, you're acting as if the thing that you prayed already happened, already existed, already is final. You're praying his authority. You're praying his power in Jesus' name. So there's so many names of God, and here is the problem. So let's set up the problem. What is the problem, Holly Joe? You're talking about names and the power of names, the importance of names. Here is the problem. We step into relationship with God, and we know him as the God of our salvation, which is a beautiful, a beautiful it's probably one of, I would say, in my personal pastoral experience, it's one of the greatest gifts that God has given us is the gift of salvation. Amen? Right? The gift of salvation. When we step into this relationship and we have this beautiful encounter where God reveals himself as our Savior. But then life happens. And maybe you're like me and you've been through some trials, some fires, some disappointments, some letdowns. And so you go about life, and sometimes you don't even mean to do this, but you only know God is the God of your salvation. You've stopped the pursuit. And when I say you, I mean I've been there, where life just goes on, and, and you, you go to church, and you show up, and you check off the box of doing ministry, but the pursuit and the love of Christ and the, the, the work it takes to know God further, sometimes it ends with one revelation of God. And not because we want that to happen, because life can be heavy, right? Have you ever been, have you ever had a busy season? Come on, every hand raised, please. I mean, come on. Sometimes I'm like, 
I just need to do my laundry today. Like, that's the one thing I need to accomplish. My, my son needs new underwear. You know, he's potty trained. It's like, sometimes life is just so busy. And I think what we can see often happen in church life, specifically as followers of disciples of Jesus, and I'm a discipleship pastor, so I am obsessed. I am fanatic. I mean, I breathe, eat, and live the discipleship process. And the process of spiritual formation is just that. It is a process. It is a never-ending journey of discovering who Christ is and applying it to your everyday life. But we come over here and we have this beautiful life-altering experience where we say, God, I accept you into my heart. God, I once was a sinner, but here I am set free, not because I deserved it, but because you are good. And then we go about life and we... We stop the pursuit, right? Could you imagine being in a relationship with somebody that just stopped pursuing you? That's no fun, right? You ever hear this? Like they would say like, oh, the honeymoon phase, right? Like everybody talks about the honeymoon phase. Like, but I'm like, can't the honeymoon phase just be a honeymoon life? Can we, can we create a, come on. I know Pastor Alex and Bree have a honeymoon life. Come on, they are pursuing each other. Come on, right? But it's just human nature to stop pursuit, we oftentimes just maybe go, oh, that was good enough. I knew God of, of my, I know God is my salvation. I know God is my savior. But what I want to present to you today, Grace City Tampa, that God is not just the God of your salvation. He is the God of your brokenness. He is the God of your peace. He is the God of your anxiety. He is the God of your provider. He is your counselor. He is your defender. He is your king. Come on, he is coming back for a bride who knows his heart, who surrenders it all to him. And when we stop pursuing God, we start to fade away. And we don't need churches to pursue any more ministry. We need churches, people of God, to keep pursuing God. And then out of a relationship and a revelation of God, we operate in ministry. The greatest impact that Tampa will ever see is when every single person in this room and on this team has a personal devotion of Jesus that every day you wake up and say, you know what, I may not feel like pursuing God today, but I'm gonna open up the word of God and I'm gonna know who my father is. I'm gonna know him as my defender. I'm gonna know him as my healer. And then as you come together on Sundays, it's a celebration because Monday through Saturday, you've been pursuing God. You know who God is in your finances. You know who God is in your marriage. So here is one of my main points. To understand and know God deeply is to understand and to know God's names fully. To understand and know God deeply is to understand and know God's names fully. I think we have a graphic here. I want to show you some names of God because this is absolutely powerful. I'm going to get a little teacher on you. Is that okay? I'm going to get a little teacher because I'm a spiritual formation pastor. This is really important. These are just a few names that God has revealed himself in Scripture, in the Old Testament, all throughout Scripture, actually. We have Elohim. That means the strong creator God. This is Elohim was revealed in Genesis at the creation story. God revealed himself that he is the God of all creation. 
We have Jehovah Jireh, one of my favorites, the Lord, our provider. Anytime you see Jehovah Jireh translated in Hebrew in the Old Testament, what you realize is that he revealed himself when people were without. And he would, he would present himself as, I know that you can't see how something is going to take place. I know that you have a need. So I'm going to reveal myself to you as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider. How about El Shaddai? Oh, how beautiful the name by is that? El Shaddai means almighty God. I mean, there is no force on earth greater than God, that he is the almighty. He is the most powerful force. Adonai, the God who, I love this one, the God who rules. Our politicians don't rule our life. God rules our life. How about Jehovah? Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. He revealed himself to people in scripture when they were feeling so anxious, so depressed, so low. He would come to him and say, I am Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. How about Yahweh? This is actually the Lord I am, the eternal self-existent God. What's so powerful about the story, we're gonna go back into the scriptures of Moses and we're gonna wrap up in just a moment. But when you go back into the story of Moses, when he's on the backside of the desert, for 40 years he was in shame, obscurity. He'd actually killed somebody and he ran away to the wilderness. So he was in hiding. He felt he was not good enough and God revealed himself. And when Moses literally talks to God and he literally says, God, you're telling me to go back where I was, where I just killed an Egyptian and now I'm supposed to go face Pharaoh and go let all these Israelites like, hey, follow me. I killed somebody. I'm not sure what to do here. And he says, but who am I? God doesn't even address Moses's question because his question was all about finding a solution inward. And what God was trying to reveal to Moses was, no, you don't understand, I am. That's what you're to say to him. Stop focusing on yourself. Stop trying to find the solutions to your problems inward or around the world. But the, the, the solution to every battle, the strategy to every challenge on earth will be found in the names of God. And we can continue on. Jehovah, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals, Emmanuel, God with us. Those are just a few of the names that God reveals himself in the Old Testament. What about the names of Christ, the chief cornerstone, the head of the church, the holy one, the light of the world, the prince of peace? Do you need a shepherd? Because Jesus is the good shepherd. He's the mediator. He's the rock. He's the resurrection and the life. The world will always provide a counterfeit version of an attribute of God. The world will always provide a counterfeit attribute and version of God. Let me break this down a little bit. You know, we say, you know, God, we want you to heal our diseases and heal our hurts. And we go to the doctor and we get a diagnosis. And maybe you've been there. And sometimes we leave those spaces. And even as Christ followers, there's obviously there's steps of mourning and there's trials and struggles, right, that you have to work through. But I think sometimes we have to stir the gift of faith and say, you know what, yes, this doctor is a blessing from God to provide medicine and to give us diagnosis, but the ultimate healer is God. 
that we can call upon the name of our healer. We can call upon the name of our healer. How about this? When we, we say, you know, God, Emmanuel, God with us, but yet sometimes we see in our culture, especially younger generation, they're growing up in a day and age where they just hop from relationship to relationship to relationship because they're looking for something to fill their soul. And so they step into, well, if I just get into this relationship, it's going to fix my insecurity. If I just step into this relationship, it, if I just have this quick fix, it is going to fill up my worth because I'm so insecure. And God's going, I am Emmanuel. I am God with you. So when you're not with other people, I am with you. And your identity, your value does not come from all of these outside attributes, all these solutions. What you need right now to face your current battle is to call upon the names of God and to say, God, I surrender this confusion to you. And I want to call the band up as we just close. I have a few last thoughts. You become what you know. You become what you know. You become confident as you learn and discover that God is always with you, Emmanuel. You become healed as you learn and know the healer himself, Jehovah Rapha. You become filled with his peace as you spend time with Jehovah Shalom the God of peace. You become what you know. And I think that today I came to share a very important word for the local church. This is something, like I said earlier, I said I am a practitioner of everything that God is revealing to me. This actual message, this revelation actually came through a moment of daily devotions one morning, months ago. I was doing daily devotions and God just started to reveal to me saying, Holly, the world will always provide you a counterfeit version of what I'm supposed to do in your life. And I remember hearing the Holy Spirit clearly, don't stop pursuing me just because you had a fix at salvation, right? I had that moment. But a relationship with Jesus is just that. It is a relationship. It's something that we don't give up on. I'll never forget, you know, a few years ago, several years ago now, <clears throat> I found myself in a very devastating, dark, anxious, horrific experience. My marriage tragically ended. I fasted, I prayed, I opened up scripture. God didn't answer my prayer. I had a newborn baby. And it was truly one of the most devastating experiences of my life. And I don't just tell you this for you to feel sorry for me. Because thank God that I have an amazing church, Grace City, who has come alongside my son and I and our family. And I'm on the other side of the initial shock. And I remember being in this space and what do you do when God doesn't answer your prayer. What do you do when you experience disappointment? What do you do when just life hasn't turned out the way you thought it would? We have all these grand ideas. 
we have all these thoughts and these dreams and these hopes and then you get to a space and you're like, God, where are you? And you want to stop pursuing. And what I learned during those seasons of intense grief is that distance creates distortion. And so we have these moments of distance where things happen in our life. And let me just tell you, you can still come to church and be far from God. And there's a difference there. You can still come to church and check off the boxes, but you right now can be sitting here and maybe you have tears in your eyes or you feel your heart beating hard because actually you feel a little distant from God. And you feel a little, God, I'm a little disappointed. Life hasn't turned out the way that I want it to and I'm, I'm frustrated, God. And what I realized in that space was that distance creates distortion and where there's distortion, where your view of God can be distorted, that's where deconstruction can happen. And deconstruction is basically this idea that everything you thought to be true about God, you start questioning, but you don't just start questioning, you start denying. And so when we distance ourselves from the pursuit of God, not from the pursuit of ministry, I wanna get this very clear. When you distance yourself from the pursuit of God and you stop having this tenacious, I wanna know God. And when you stop that, you start to question why these disappointing things happen to you. And I'm telling you, God's not afraid of your doubts. God's not afraid of your questions. He's not afraid of that because he loves you. And even though sometimes our pursuit releases, his is relentless. His pursuit of you is relentless. And he loves you so much. But I got into this space where I was just having the most horrific time. And I remember one day being a single parent, um, being a parent is hard. Okay, adding, just being alone, doing that process is even a little more challenging. And JC, my son, was having a harder day. And this is a couple years after everything and he's starting to talk so he could kind of verbalize. And you know, I was one of those parents where I was like, during that time, I was like, I just need to find a solution for his problem. Like I can tell he's not doing well. Emotionally, he's not doing well. So I was like, okay, let me go. We went to Target. I got him that toy. We went to uh, Common Ground Park in Lakeland. I mean, we played, nothing was fixing it. I went to McDonald's, y'all. I, I, I got him a cone. Then I went to Wendy's and got him a Frosty. I was like, literally, I was like, I wanna do anything to help this little boy process what he's feeling. And it came close to bedtime and he was still just, I could just tell something was going on and I knelt down and I got on my knees and I just looked at JC and I said, what do you need? And he just looked at me, so sweet, he was two at the time. And he said, I wanna hug mommy. And I just embraced that little boy and I held him and I started crying and he was kind of whimpering, but I could tell that the whimpering subsided. And in that moment, I had a thought, do we just look for all these solutions? We just look for all these things to fill us up. When we have problems, we're looking for doctors, lawyers, counselors. By the way, all those things are amazing, but nothing, nothing will fulfill your heart and heal your soul like the love of Jesus and the love of the Father. And I don't know who you are in this room today, and I don't know what's burning in your soul, but I just have a feeling that God wants to say to you, come back to me. Pursue 
pursue me. I have so much that I want to reveal to you right now. I want to be your healer. I want to be your provider. I want to be your peace. Stop looking outwardly. Stop looking inwardly. Come to the feet of Jesus and receive all that he has for you. Come on, would you stand to your feet, Gracie of Tampa? All across this room, would you stand to your feet? And I want to pray for two groups of people before we just go back into worship and close this out and register to be a city group leader and get plugged into growth track and hang out with our friends and just pray together. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, man, do I really know God? I'm actually here and I've been coming to church, but I've never said yes to Jesus. Would you just go ahead and close your eyes and bow your hearts right now? This is a special space for you and I. I can see you out there. But if you've never said yes to Jesus, and today you want to raise your hand and assign to heaven and assign to me and our team that you're saying, you know what, Holly, I want to know God of my salvation. I want to say yes to the to Jesus for the very first time. If that is you with no one looking, just you and I, if you wanna make this decision for the first time, maybe you've been coming to church a few times, maybe you've been coming for two years, but you've literally never said yes to Jesus as your personal savior. On the count of three, would you raise your hand? One, two, three. Would you lift your hand if that's you? Anybody in the room, just lift your hand. If you wanna say yes to Jesus for the very first time, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And maybe today, you can go ahead and lift your heads, but maybe you're here and you're just saying, Holly, I, I wanna know God more. I wanna know all the aspe aspects, all the attributes, all the character, the nature of God. I wanna know God fully. If that is you today and you would just say bravely, I wanna know God fully. Would you just raise your hand with me? I'm raising my hand. I wanna know God fully. I don't just wanna know him in part. I wanna know every aspect of him today. And as every hand is lifted, I want you to think, what do you need God to do for your heart today? Do you need him as your provider? Do you need him as your healer? Come on, his ways are better than our ways. He is able to do more than you can ever ask, think, or imagine. Who do you need God to be? Would you worship this morning? Come on, would you sing it out? Come on, would you lift up your hearts? Come on, would you surrender your need? Come on, would you come to the throne room of God? Come on, would you say that he is our healer? Come on, he is your provider. Come on, he's that done working. Come on, lift up your voice. Grace City Tampa. Come on, would you worship him? Thank you for listening to the Grace City Tampa podcast. Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church.